Hello and welcome to Middle Church Online. I'm Natalie, I'm your digital minister, and we are so glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us. Thank you for coming. We are gonna get right into worship because we have new members to welcome again into our community. But before we do, we'll take a deep centering breath together. And let us worship God. Hi everyone, my name's Annette. Hi Middle, my name is Molly. Hi, I'm David. Hi, I'm Kate. I'm Michael. And this is Oz. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name's Lucky. Hi, I'm Jessica Evans. Hi, I'm Marcos. Hi, I'm McCall. Hi, I'm Jules. Hi, I'm Jada. Hi, I'm Michelle. Hi everyone, I'm Laverne. Hi everyone, I'm Sarah. Greetings, middle, I'm Anne. Hi, middle, I'm Michelle.
Alicia? Miss Alicia? Oh, where is she? Miss Alicia? Here I am. You called? I did. It's time for us to do the message for all ages. Oh, you're right. Hey there, friends. It's Miss Alicia and Snuggles here. Today, we're going to talk about being called to do something. Being called to do something? Hey, that's what I just did with you. Exactly. Snuggles knew I had to do something, so they called me. And here I am, doing what I was called to do. With me. With you. What are some other things we can be called to do? Mm, we can be called to eat dinner. And to clean our rooms. And to brush our teeth. And to wake up for school. And to go to bed. And to fight for justice. And to, wait, to fight for justice? How is someone called to fight for justice? Let me explain. Last week we celebrated this man. Do you remember who this is, Snuggles? That's Martin Luther King Jr. Yep, Dr. King was a minister. When Dr. King preached, churchgoers listened to him in awe, inspired by his words. Among these churchgoers was eight-year-old Audrey Faye Hendricks. One day, Dr. King asked the congregation to help put an end to racial segregation. He called them to fight for justice. A lot of people, grown-ups, said no. But little Audrey, she said yes. The work that Audrey did wasn't easy. She and 3,000 children were arrested because they marched in the streets demanding civil rights for black lives. But at just eight years old, Audrey heard Dr. King's call. She chose to fight for justice and she fought with joy. When she marched with her fellow young people, they sang the song, Ain't Gonna Let Nobody Turn Me Around. Wow, that's a beautiful story. But Miss Alicia, the thing is, I've heard grown-ups say to young people, you don't know what you're doing. You're too young. You're just a kid. Well, Snuggles, those grown-ups are wrong. Young people, believe in the good that you can do right now, in this moment. Don't listen to those who doubt your heart, your mind, your soul. Like Audrey, know your brilliance. Do good and fight for justice. Let us pray. Dear God, let young people feel and know how wonderful they are. Guide them as they lead us in this fight for justice. Amen. Amen. Let's sing Sia Hamba now. Yeah! We are marching in the light of God. We are marching in the light of God. worshiping with us this morning. I want to take a minute and remind you of a couple things that are happening in the life of our church. 
First of all, a reminder that every Sunday you are invited to join us at 12.45 Eastern Time for our chat and chew. We get together and see each other's faces and talk about worship, what's sticking with us, what we're gonna uh, take with us to get us through the week ahead. And tonight at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, I hope you'll join us for the annual Sounds of the East Village Spiritual Sounds. This is a time where we come together with our local East Village interfaith partners, and we all bring an offering of music to show who we are and to learn a little bit more about one another as we build beloved community. Join us tonight at five o'clock Eastern time. We have some exciting new small groups kicking off in February. Reverend Catherine Torpy will be teaching an intro to the New Testament. I hope you'll join us for that. And our reparations task force is kicking back up as well. Friends, there is a lot happening in the world. There's a lot happening in our personal lives and in the lives of those whom we love. So let's take a minute now and pray together. Today's prayer will be sung. Pamela Warwick Smith will be singing Imagine. Let's pray together now. Imagine there's no heaven It's easy if you try No hell below us Above us only sky Imagine all No need for greed or hunger 
Amen. And now let's pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. There's an inclusive version printed in the bulletin, but please pray this in whatever language or way feels most comfortable to you. Let's pray now. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Good Christmas On July 9th, 1776, the New York Liberty Bell, housed in the Middle Collegiate Church, rang out the liberty, justice, and freedom promised in the new democracy. It has rung for the inauguration of every U.S. president and for important events like the death of Trayvon Martin, the death of John Lewis, and 9-11. It also rang for the election of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. On December 5th, a fire destroyed our sanctuary and the Liberty Bell somehow miraculously survived, but we're unable to get to it because of the devastation of the fire damage. However, because of the magic of technology, we do have bell sounds to ring today. And we, the people, are ringing out freedom, lifting up our voices, our dreams, and our hopes. We hope that you'll join us and let freedom ring.
We are walking through times of trouble, but we must walk with our heads held high. If grief and toil seem to double, and you see no reason why, remember each of you has the power within to turn the darkness all around into light. But you must work, you must fight, you must pray. For the children in their tomorrows, we must begin to work today. Don't leave them with our weakness and sorrow, but set them forth on a better way. Teach them to value their neighbors, Yes, and teach them to value the earth. For this you must work, you must fight, you must pray. You must work to bring about the freedom. You must fight to have just for You must pray for the treasure of peace. Give a hand to those who might fall. Realize how strong you can be, no matter what others may say. How a smile, a quarter, a timely embrace can help another to a brighter day. Now we can help change the wasting face of the land, restore the garden if together we stand. So let's work, let us fight, let us pray. We must work to bring about the freedom. We must fight to have justice for We must pray for the treasure of peace. Give a hand to those who might fall. Don't give in to pain. Don't bow with sadness. So the good seed and press on gladness. While we work, we fight.
Wow. Hi, everyone. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it miraculous that through the magic of technology, we get to worship with Pam Worksmith? Thank you, Pam. Thank you, choir. Thank you for the beautiful offerings of music today. Friends, will you say a word of prayer with me, please? Holy One, here we are on the dawn of a new day, a new administration, still contemplating the promises of a new year. And as we reflect on all of this together, I ask God that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Friends, listen now for a word from scripture. This is Mark's gospel for a girl with allergies, chapter one, verses 14 through 21. Listen. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And then Jesus calls the first disciples. As he passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon Peter and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as Jesus went a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately, he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Where do we go from here? After an insurrection, after an impeachment, and after inauguration, where do we go from here? I found a prayer that really moved me, a short prayer that said, may we become the wind that diverts the oncoming storm. May we become the wind that diverts the oncoming storm. That means <laughs> the writer felt a storm was coming. I found that prayer in a book by Chad Myers called Binding the, the Strong Man. He's a great scholar of Mark's gospel, and I really appreciate his reading of the text. Friends, of course, all the gospels point to the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth, but they each, just like CNN, MSNBC, Fox, PBS, maybe the BBC, they each also have their own point of view. When you read Mark's gospel, there's nothing here about the baby being born at Christmas time, nothing at all. And in fact, his, Mark, his gospel is the, is the oldest one. And I think it's marked by a sense of urgency. You hear it in the telling of the text. Immediately he called them, immediately they dropped their nets. If we're gonna understand what Mark is saying, we have to listen to his particular words. 
Even as a seminary student, I was taught every time you preach a gospel text, you should synthesize them and see what you find in the middle. But I find that to be a little bit <coughs> diluting of the message. So I want to just tell you a little bit about Mark, just a little bit about Mark's point of view, if you will. Mark's gospel was written to help citizens of the empire learn the hard truth about their world and about themselves. Mark does not pretend to represent the gospel of God, as he calls it, dispassionately or impartially. In other words, he owns his point of view. And he doesn't pretend that the word of God is innocuously universal in its appeal to the rich and poor, the insiders and the outsiders. He has a specific thing to say to anybody who would hear, anybody who would follow Jesus. His story is about and for those committed to God's work, to God's work of justice, compassion, and liberation, God's work in the world, to those who are willing to risk the wrath of empire, those who are willing to take a stand. Mark offers a way of discipleship, a way of being tutored by Jesus a way of living in the world with fierce revolutionary love. Now, let me tell you, when I was in seminary also, I had to take classes on evangelism, we all did. And to hear the words, you're gonna go now and make disciples of all the nations. Though that is clearly in the Bible, clearly we're called to it as clergy. I was like, well, that's not what I wanna do. I had been probably like some of you evangelized by the folks at the door. I had been evangelized even by classmates in seminary. Are you saved, sanctified, and filled by the Holy Ghost? Are you born again? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you adopted those four laws? Remember those four laws from college, Campus Crusade for Christ? Like, God is here, you're a sinner, get it together, or you're going to hell. I'm paraphrasing, but right? I didn't want to be a person who made disciples of all the nations because the people who tried to make disciples of me had frankly hurt my feelings and made me feel left out, made me feel like I wasn't good enough to be a student of Jesus. I'm here to tell you that when Mark was writing this gospel, there, there weren't really Christians and not Christians. He was writing to anybody who would hear these words, hear the words, hear the story of Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, then Joseph, Joseph's son, Mary's baby, and be inspired to become people who stood up for the disenfranchised, who stood against empire, and who, and who stood for revolutionary love. So Mark's gospel is quite frankly, friends, not the good news of private salvation. In, in fact, none of the gospels are, but Mark almost dares you to read this good news as though the end game of faith is not to get your personal relationship on with Jesus Christ. Nope. It's not to avoid hell and damnation. Nope. And it's not so that when the world comes to an end, which Mark inevitably believed it would because of the cataclysmic kind of violence and oppression at work among the people against the people, Nope, his call is not for you to be ready when the end time comes 
when violence and oppression and a fear have finally led to the last day of the kingdom of this world, of empired existence, he's not even remotely interested in you having your cash, cashed in, get out of the world free card and being parachuted out of the earth and into heaven. No, not at all. Mark's gospel is a call against empire. It's a call against oppression. It's a call against greed, a call against malice, a call against racial hierarchy and caste. It is a call to create the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the reign of God, which is in Greek, the basileo, the basileo tophion, say that twice, the basileo tophion, the reign of God on earth against the reign of Herod, against the reign of the empire and for God's reign on earth. 14 times in Mark's gospel, the expression kingdom of God is used and actually that's less than the other gospels. This call to make equality, this call to make justice, this call to make love a public ethic. This is what Mark is talking about. And it is a call to risk wrath of neighbor and scorn by rulers, to join Jesus, to join the Christ, to join Rabbi Yeshua as he works to make kingdom on earth. Kingdom where first are last and last are first. Kingdom where children matter. Kingdom where the marginalized matter. Kingdom where women matter. Kingdom where Jesus will have an argument with a woman, a foreign woman, by the way, and let her win. Kingdom where we give to God what is owed to God, which is everything. Kingdom, where those who are sick have health care, and those who are hungry have food, and they don't need to stand in line to get it. Kingdom, where social gospel isn't a dirty word, and where people share what they have to make sure that those who don't have coat, clothes, food have something. Kingdom, where nonviolence is so deeply preached, we're told to turn our other cheek when someone wants to assail us and pray for our enemies. This kingdom of God is not for the wimp. It is not for the weak. It is not for the tepid. It is a radical call to radical discipleship, studentship, studying, radically rooted in love. At a gathering of Latinx folks at a Pueblo conference in the 70s, Pope John Paul II wrote a speech and said this to them, 1979. We find rereadings of the gospel that purport to depict Jesus as a political activist, as a fighter against Roman domination and the authorities, and even as someone involved in class struggle. We find this conception of Christ as a political figure, as a revolutionary, as the subversive from Nazareth, we find that this does not fall within the church's catechesis. What? 
And we wonder why people have whitewashed Jesus, cap capitalized Jesus, made him for the world and not against empire. During the Reagan administration, the rise of the political right went from private readings of faith, like me and God, me and Jesus, to political readings of faith that were anti-abortion, um, pro-militarism, um, for, for the zeal of the Lord in, in gain of prosperity and goodness and wellness. Now, we can see in the public square that there are two dominant narratives at work about who Jesus is and what he is and what he wants. What gospel is it? What is the good news? And who is it for? Now, public practice of faith means Will we be on the side of the poor or will we be on the side of the uber rich? Will we be on the side of the vulnerable or will we be on the side of those who crush the vulnerable? Will we be on the side of interfaith, interreligious understanding that respects that God speaks more than one language? Or will we be for a kind of Christian hegemony that crushes Jews, crushes Muslims, and crushes anyone who would disagree with what empire believes is right. What is the good news and who is it for? Mark starts his gospel sparsely. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He tells the story then of John the Baptist coming to the fore, a man who dresses in weird clothing and baptizes people for repentance and the forgiveness of sin. And when he does that, he's setting up the second part of the narrative, if you will, act two. And in act two, the one that John promises is gonna come with more power, the one who's gonna baptize not with water, but baptize with Holy Spirit, this one actually comes not in judgment, but in fulfillment, in fulfillment of the love and justice and peace that is promised in the reign of God. And Jesus calls those fishermen, he walks by the fishermen, two sets of brothers, doing their family business, not poor people, but not rich people. Peter and Andrew don't seem to own a boat, but they own nets. John and his brother do own boats and have servants. These working people are called by Jesus to put down their work, put down their vocation and become fishers of people. I have never been fishing in my life. I don't know what that's like. But I want to say that this isn't about calling the fisher folks to the work of kingdom building. This is about calling you and I in our everyday vocation to be people who amplify, echo, share, spread out the good news of God's gospel to all the people everywhere. You and I are called to do this work in our everyday life because Jesus met the disciples right where they were in their everyday lives of sleeping, eating, drinking, getting up early, having some coffee or some tea or some chai, eating a little fish, eating a little bread, mending their nets, going out to fish, coming back, eating dinner, dealing with their children, dealing with their spouses and partners, dealing with their elders, dealing with the doctor's appointments, dealing with teaching their children how to read and write, 
dealing with how to raise citizens, good citizens in a crazy hot mess world, dealing with disease, dealing with homelessness, dealing with heartbreak, dealing with mental illness. The gospel of Mark is given to us from an ordinary person in an ordinary world, the ordinary people struggling with ordinary faith. And it's to those ordinary folks, Jesus's call comes, just like it comes to ours. It comes to ours as a political calling. It comes to our world because the political is personal. It comes to enlist you and I in the drama, the drama that begins with God's love for all of us, that comes all the way down to rescue us from ourselves, to redeem our souls and the soul of our nations. It comes with John as a backdrop, arrested, murdered, Jesus stepping in. It comes calling all of us like those four brothers in our family life, in our regular life, to be students of the bold reign of God that is promised to us in scripture. A promise that only comes because we make it come, not because we wish it to be so. This leader, Jesus, gathers his troops, gathers the disciples, is gathering us to be in a campaign for revolutionary love. This subversive story, first, last, last, first, children in the center, marginalized become important, is our story in which to participate. We only go someplace from here because we do it together. Yes, Kamala's a badass. Yes, we're so glad Biden's in the White House. Yes. There are important conversations to be had in legislature. Yes, we must hold accountable those who, who, who would subvert democracy. And friends, you and I are the ones we've been waiting for. We're the ones God is calling to pick up our lives and to put down what distracts us and to make every day an act of revolution. Your staff has said yes to that calling. Your staff, Amanda, Ben, John, Dion, Jeff, Nathan, all 16 of us over there have said yes to this calling. They've said yes to the calling, not because they got tapped on the shoulder and went to seminary. That, you know, that's me, Amanda, that's me, Amanda, Ben, and, and Daryl. We, we did that, but, but all of them, from the engineers to the ones who make, make videos, to the ones who do the care and the calling, they all said yes. They all said yes to your call on their lives. They said yes to be subversive. They said yes to, to preach the gospel of good news in their everyday vocation. They said yes to lower pay than they might make in the world. They said yes to longer hours and less thank yous. They said yes to reframing and reclaiming Christianity because you asked them to, because I asked them to. They said yes to dismantling systems of oppression because our vision says, this is what we'll do. And they stand up to do it every day. They stand up to do it in invisible ways. They stand up to be light and love in a movement for love and justice that is happening across the nation and with your support happening at Middle Church. They know that every day they make choices to make the reign of God come. And friends, that's your calling too. You don't get paid to do it, but it is your volunteer vocation. 
I'm talking about the way you spend your money. I'm talking about the things you consume, the movies you watch, the television you watch, the news you decide to ingest, the things you model for your children, the words you use, the language you use, the texts that you read and the ones you expose to them, the way you are with your family, the ones in your house, bless you, and the ones around the nation, the people with whom you Zoom, your job and mine is to evangelize them. Oh my goodness. Which is to say, to share with them the good news of the gospel of God. And that good news is when the reign of God comes near and it is near, there's a radical reordering of life so that suffering goes away, heartache goes away, pain goes away. Derision, violence go away, racism, white supremacy, anti-indigenous, anti-Islamic, anti-Muslim sentiments go away. When the reign of God comes and it is near, it comes to make all of us whole and well and at peace. The good news is your news to share, to live out, to articulate every single day, not on Sunday, not in chat and chew, but it's a life calling. Where do we go from here? You and I are in this drama, this drama starring God's spirit, this drama starring revolutionary love in which love reorders our priorities and makes us warriors for peace, warriors for hope, warriors for love. We are participating with Valerie Kaur and lots of the Auburn Senior Fellows and the People's Inauguration. And tomorrow night, I'll be in a conversation with my friends Valerie and Sharon Browse. Listen, we have been inaugurated, you and I, into a ministry program, into a campaign to make love everywhere and to use our love power to make God's world safe, whole, right, just, and peaceful. The staff and I can't do it without you. I'm sorry, neither can God. Our lives are meant to be lived in the polis, in the midst of people, and the place where the political and the spiritual meet. That's our work. That's our calling. That's our vocation. Will you say yes? May it be so. Amen. Hello, my name is Danita Branham. I'm an elder here at Middle, having joined over 20 years ago. In that time, I have been an usher, chair of the consistory, our board, started the Butterfly Brunch Bag program that is distributed in parks, and have led or participated in numerous anti-racism studies, experiments, and protests. 2020 will go down as an infamous year of awakening for this nation, and the illumination is continuing into 2021. So now is the time now is the time for those of you who have been dating middle to step up your connection. 
you are obviously attracted to love. Finding your best self, calling out injustice, seeking respect for all, and working to right-side our society. So come on, put the rush on your heartbeat next to ours, the fire of your passion next to ours. Join the movement to do a bold new thing. Heal the soul and heal the world. To join, go to our website at www.middlechurch.org join and click the join button. That's all there is to it. And please, as you are able, donate. Your support powers this movement. Every single gift matters. Even in these difficult times, do not underestimate the impact of your generosity. One dollar will touch one person who will be encouraged, empowered, and loved on through Middle's Digital Ministry. To donate for our rebuilding efforts, go to the Middle Rising website at www.middlechurch.org rising. To support our programming and general operating budget, just go to the Middle website and click on the Donate button at the top bar. Thank you. When the glory comes, it will be us. It will be us one day. When the war is won, we will be sure. We will be sure.
Let us pray. For those that decided to hit the join button, we are grateful. For those that signed up to participate in our upcoming courses and events, we are grateful. For every donation of time, talent, and treasure, we are grateful. For the blessings of this community, we are grateful and give you all the glory, our everlasting love of God. Amen. up to freedom land. I don't know if you all think those beautiful videos happen by magic, but that's an amazing arranging by Dion, John, Jeff making it together and all of our gospel choir folks sending in tapes. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Listen, there is so much to say about what's wrong in the world, but here's what's right. Over human history, God has always, always, always partnered with revolutionary lovers. Always, moms and dads, kids, aunties, uncles, grandparents, little ones marching for civil rights, musicians, artists, God has always partnered with everyday human people who know how to listen for a call and follow as we give God thanks for these offerings, we give God thanks also for the offering of you, what you bring to the movement, what you bring as passion, what you bring as gift. So together we can heal our souls and the world. For this, I give you thanks and I give God thanks and receive this blessing. May the God of love find you exactly where you are and lift you up and give you peace and moral courage and holy imagination so that together 
together we make the kingdom of God on earth. Amen. If one woman hurts, if one woman cries, if one man bleeds, rise. Up, get up, dance, up, get up, sing, up, get up, change everything. Up, get up, dance, up, get up, sing, up, get up, change everything. Silence must stop, violence must end, broken body and spirit will rise again. Strength in numbers, take a stand, right the wrongs, don't ask demand. If one woman hurts, if one woman cries, if one No story forgotten, no soul erased. No promise left empty, we're taking our place. If one woman hurts, if one woman